Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. America's Heroes Group, we're back. Roundtable part with our partner and vet, uh, veteran legislative voice. It is Saturday, November 11th, 2021. December is AIDS Awareness Month and also National Human Rights Month. The host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And don't forget, as we said before many times, look at us on Facebook Live Streaming. You can also like and share so others can become connected and informed with resources and materials. You can also listen to America's Heroes Group on the iHeartRadio app. Just search America's Heroes Group and watch us on digital TV streaming on services like Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and our partner, Zondra's TV Network. That's Zondra with a Z. So go, go, go to your app on Roku. You can just uh, Google or search for Zondra. Go inside Zondra, search for America's Heroes Group, and then you'll be connected. You can also go on uh, Facebook, search for America's Heroes Group. And you can see us live, America's Heroes Group. And we have our great partner, Stephanie Collada. She's a U.S. Army Reserve Sergeant, first class, veteran, and founder and creator of the Veteran Legislative Voice. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm excited to be here this month. It's going to be pretty soon. It's going to be the end of the year. We're going to have a new year with a new round of, of things and ideas coming in 2022. What can you tell us about uh, some of the reform measures that are going to be in the military justice system? All right. So there's a big, a lot of big changes that's been happening and uh, still getting updates in the last week or two. For everybody to understand, any big changes that uh, Congress uses to improve um, veterans' lives, veteran affairs, anything under the Department of Defense, it comes all in a huge package called the National Defense Authorization Act, and it's for every fiscal year. So there's a few that they have. The Senate and the House are... Uh, they have their own bills, and they have them submitted through to pass and then also be signed by the president. There's been a lot of big changes for this year for military justice, um, specifically about the sexual assault, uh, military sexual violence, sexual harassment, even going AWOL. Domestic violence is also a big ticket issue. And there's a lot of reforms that are coming into these bills, which are for short are called NDAAs. And um, right now... NDAA is the National Defense Authorization Act for each FYI, if, yeah, every uh, fiscal year. So um, this military justice reform um, has a bunch of different things added to, and for right now, it is the removal of convenient, convenient authority taken from the commanders for specific crimes. Now, this basically, for right now, before this bill becomes law, Right now, military commanders have all the access, have all the authority to uh, make decisions for prosecutions, for um, punishments whatsoever for their troops. It's the military police that does the investigations, and then they hand it off to the commander. From there, they can decide whether to go through a courts martial, have an um, in-unit type of uh, punishment, which is usually the Article 15s that people are used to hearing. And then also the commanders can decide to separate the accused. Um, and so 
those type of things have been coming to light because many commanders are getting in trouble or a lot of cases coming out when these commanders are acting very biased against the accused because most most of the time most of the accused are higher ranking in some sort of chain chain of command and they're more likely to have a relationship professional personal what have you with the commanders with the chain of command so um victims the most targeted ones are ones that are 18 even 17 um 17 18 all the way up to 24 the majority of their ranks are e4 and below that means they have zero power, zero authority, zero say in majority of things that happen to you. And so majority of the time, the commanders are going to hear what's happening. They're going to look at somebody that they do know and have worked with probably for years. And then they're going to look at um, the person that's accusing them of this. And these victims, these survivors, don't know these commanders. They often have no clue who these people are. Um, don't have any personal information with. And a lot of times they're being judged in those type of situations. And so many survivors um, lack any type of resolvement, uh, restitution for all of the um, issues that they go through in their lives. Hmm. We just had an admin NCO on this earlier segment. Could the admin NCO be a person, as opposed to it's like my day when I was in the military, the, the normal process was you would go to your immediate commander so so maybe your your sergeant your first sergeant first class it was in your uh, of your platoon or your group or your unit you would go to them first and then they might take it up to the first sergeant and then it would go up the chain that way which like you said mm-hmm. could be a big could be a big problem if you have a problem with someone who's in that on uh, that cadre who's in the, the chain of command itself or who's affiliated yes. with was closely related to or affiliated or a buddy of you know someone in that chain of command um, could yes. the admin nco could they be a, a neutral party because they're not technically in your direct chain of command, but they're supposed to be there as a, almost like a human resources type person. Yeah, that does happen at times. And other times they're not as biased. Uh, they're, um, and other times they're very biased. But they're not held towards any right to act uh, in the favor of the their junior enlisted or those affected. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they work for the commander. Okay. Um, the JAG officers that are assigned to the command they work for the commander. That's who their boss is. That's who they um, pretty much almost signs their check every month. And the thing is, is that a lot of times, a lot of biases can happen. And a lot of times, commanders get have gotten in trouble for doing their own investigations. Hmm. So for, if there is a sexual assault, even suspected, even rumor, the commanders, the uh, first-line leaders, anyone is supposed to contact military police directly and they handle the investigations but a lot of times commanders and other uh first line leaders do their own and this is uh came to light um a friend of mine amy frank who was a whistleblower she came in for the senate panel on this same issue for military justice reform and she whistleblowed on her command because the commanders were doing their own investigations on a sexual assault of a 17-year-old that was brutally assaulted, Mm. not just sexually but physically. And then when she reported it, the um, accused went to her work and then beat her again. That's so crazy. And this was not reported to any military police, any local civilian police, when they are supposed to, there is a law that says they must do this. They're not allowed to do the uh, inside investigations. But 
with commanders feeling they have the authority to make the decisions on the accused or the or the victims, they pretty much try to exercise what they think is within their authority, and it's not. So make, get, taking the step of removing the authority from the commanders adds that extra security for survivors and victims so that they know that they could be treated more fairly. Mm. Right now, this, uh, can, this authority in the NDEA, it has, it's supposed to be removing it from the commanders. But one of the things that uh, many that have been championing for this type of bill is Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, who's been a huge sexual assault advocate for the military, she is very frustrated and she put out a statement that they have added certain things into the amendment for the NDEA. And while the commanders do not have authority to prosecute these serious crimes, they're still allowed to conduct trials, pick jury members, approve witnesses, and grant immunity. So these type of things that they have access to do can still thwart any authority or responsibility that a special prosecutor would have to actually um, go through this process to actually see if the accused is guilty or innocent, but also to make sure that they receive the punishment that they are supposed to receive. And you would think that that, that the training command would want to, in some cases I can understand if I mean, they're trying to protect their own butts, but you would think you'd yeah. create a better military. You'd want to have guys or, or, or women, whoever, that are not acting, who are being violent against other soldiers, taken out of the military, taken out of that. Why would you want, why would you want people in your own unit at risk by having someone exactly. who's violent or having someone who's disruptive? I mean, that's just, that just doesn't make any sense. You know, I can understand yeah. somebody's trying to cover their own butt because they're doing the same bad behavior. It makes sense that you should have an independent um, authority on a base or in any uh, military unit or military uh, organization so that way you have a place to go to and it holds all, everybody accountable. Yes. And the thing, and it's so important that we have that. And a lot of times people believe that there is a You're fading a little bit. Okay, go back to the mic. Oh, sorry. There you go. Okay. Um, go. So, um, so a lot of times for the commanders right now, a lot of them believe that they have a conflict of interest uh, in mind when they're going through these things. A lot of times commanders, they think they're doing what's best. And to me, the biggest fault that happens or the reason why these things happen is because of re-victimization. Um, these um, people, they would unknowingly um, believe that the victim, that the, uh, the actual victim of the crime probably did it to herself or they had more fault in going at it as the actual alleged those type of situations are very common when it comes to inside the command uh, or inside units. And it's also the commanders might not just believe the lower enlisted. And that's been a, been a very difficult thing to happen. And once these things actually do come out, from what I've seen, because I was a sexual assault response coordinator myself, once we receive a complaint or a report, they uh, there's usually that's just the tip of the iceberg of all of the Pandora box of issues that's happening in an inside of a unit. It's just one of those things that will hit that red flag. And once you start looking, there's a ton of different issues also happening. So to a point, no one's innocent when you go into those type of situations. And it's very hard for survivors to 
protect themselves. Many survivors actually um, separate from the military within two years. I believe it's like 60% of victims and survivors, they will separate because of what's happened, either against their will or whether they want to voluntarily. It's just so many things that happen, and we're more likely to lose these people um, towards these crimes than actually retain them. The craziest thing is the highest um, attrition rate of uh, demographics are young women, 18 to 24, E4 and below, and those are the ones that do not, they're the most likely to not recontract when their contract's up. Mm. And what, so what can, what do veterans need to do and what do civilians need to do to try to get more attention to this issue and also try to get this legislation truly, truly taken to the next level where it's actually on the books? It's actually a real thing. Where we have third-party accountability and also oversight so that, that commanders are not just being their own the police investigator, judge, jury, uh, report uh, uh, recipient, they're, the, they're actually out of the equation altogether. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing is contact your, your senator and your representative. Let them know what you believe should happen and how you want this to happen. As a constituent, you have that power because you kept that senator or that um, representative in office or got them into office if this is their freshman term. So those type of things you have the power of. Many veterans, many um, supporters of veterans and military have that power. And a lot of times they feel like they don't because the majority of the people that have served in the military and have gotten out are junior enlisted, E5, E6 or below, and they've never felt that they have that power or uh, that authority. But they really do when they contact their senators and representatives and call them. Never I, – I, I try to recommend against emailing or handle or snail mail because those take months to go through process and reply. I sent an email to Senator Marco Rubio last January with all the issues that was happening then. And I did not get a reply until May. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Always call and let them know you're going to get an intern, be nice and considerate to those uh, that are going to be answering the phone because they're most likely unpaid interns. And they registered. There's a whole system, a website just for the constituents calling Mm. who they are, where they're from, what the issue is, what they want to be resolved, how they want to resolve those type of things are registered in a system. And it's there for all their access. And it's supposed to be registered as somebody uh, calls, emails, snail mail, or even show up in person. All of that is registered there. Um, now, what do you do to get yeah. information about it, though? So, what like to get more? If you want to read more about it or learn more about this legislation, to see what it's all about. Um, de- definitely check out my website. Um, so, I'm Veteran Legislative Voice Vets V E T S Legislative Voice dot org. I have majority of the bills that are that I believe are pretty much very important and they're prioritized. I do not have the NDAs up. Um, everybody can look that up on congress.gov it is usually a couple of days slower than what you might hear on the news or read in the news it takes a little bit of um, time lapse for it to catch up and to me that is one of the um things i read it every day honestly and check my emails and have alerts because that is all the information you're going to see and it's not going to be filtered or interpreted by anyone else to write these articles the thing is is that 
this NDEA that's been coming out for military justice improvement in the reform, the um, there's been a lot of contradicting information going out there. Mm. A lot of people believe that, hey, you know, we took the uh, power away from the commanders. But the thing is, is that the commanders still have a lot of other authority. Mm. And another one is that sexual harassment was supposed to be made a crime and be investigated outside of the uh, chain of command. It is still that way. Wow. Right now, sexual harassment, when someone makes a complaint, it is investigated by any person that is tagged for that 15-6, excuse me, that's a little code for um, the investigation for those military people. And um, anyone can do it as long as they're a higher rank than the, those that are involved in the situation. So it could be a first lieutenant, two years in the Army, not, uh, you know, still from college, fraternity probably, uh, most likely, and these individuals have no clue how to actually understand and investigate sexual harassment because wow. sexual harassment is such a loaded issue. It is a lot of times a gray area in interpretations and perceptions, but then a lot of times it is the benchmark for then going into sexual assault. They found that sexual harassment, if that is happening, uh, or excuse me, sexual assault victims, they are most likely sexually harassed in the beginning before it comes becomes assault. Wow. Do you think there's mm -hmm. a double standard with the Uniform Code of Military Justice, the UCM, UCMJ, for women and men? I find it more across the races. I find that um, those that are more likely to go into court-martials or to see, uh, receive higher um, punishment, they are um, black, African-American, or Latino. Mm. Um, maybe Asian but not very often um, have I seen that, but they're more likely to be uh, those two races than white or Caucasian uh, soldiers. So it's, uh, it's very hard. They have uh, gone through um, a lot of investigations with that. Uh, GAO has released a study, and um, blacks are um, twice as likely to receive punishment than their white, um, uh, their white compar uh, comparisons. So that type of thing is what I see a lot. Um, that's also something that is, you know, under the commander's authority currently. They can still choose willy-nilly who is supposed to be punished and who is not. And so a lot of times they see that certain races are, are prosecuted more likely because it is the commander's decision and it is the commander's authority. That's where you run into those type of issues. Hmm. So, what, so do we need a, a whole separate... Um, division of the military? Do we need do we need something out? Because admin NCO looks like it's not really quite the right answer. Unless we separate the admin NCO out of the equation, and they just become their own thing where they don't have to report. Military police it seems like can also kind of get convoluted a little bit and kind of get influenced by superior commanders and things like that. What do, what's just what should the structure look like in order to change the military culture where it's it's more equitable and fair where people can do their job, do their work, and serve their country in safety. To me, it would be a um, their own division of sexual assault response coordinators, victim advocates, just like those retention and recruiters, retention NCOs. They're on every base. They're uh, in close locations to other guard and reserve uh, bases, and they even have the retention NCOs assigned to specific units to do their jobs and things like that. To me, that is the best way to go because you can professionalize those individuals that are assigned to those duties 
Um, a lot of times it's an additional duty if you're a victim advocate or a sexual assault response coordinator. Um, you're usually doing 13 other jobs like I was. I was the lowest ranking civilian in a brigade that was assigned that job, and I had the most duties out of everybody. Um, and so I had to balance that between five or six other things that I was doing. Um, and uh, there's also very little mentorship happening. My boss or uh, my boss, my immediate boss, had no clue how to handle uh, the SHARP program. And I also couldn't talk to her about that because she wasn't a SHARP person. She wasn't a sexual assault um, response coordinator. So I couldn't discuss that with her. Mm. I was supposed to discuss it only with the commander, and that causes a lot of professional issues uh, in the workplace. Yes. Um, it's It's very crazy, and it's very difficult for a lot of times. If they actually make their own command, their own division, for that, you can actually do a lot of mentorship, professionalism. You can have the investigators under there, too, because that way you can have that great relationship between everybody. Also, the legal counsel. Um, there would be, for this case with this reform, there would be a um, special prosecutor and a special counsel um, that would be maintaining all of the military justice for these type of crimes. So um, another thing that... Okay. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, some of the crimes that they still have under there would be the regular sex crimes, their kidnapping, murder, and I can't remember the third one, but we still don't know whether it includes domestic violence, which has been becoming a big issue in the last couple of months um, because domestic violence, um, those accused of domestic violence are also more likely to be sexual assault response or sexual assault offenders and sexual harassment offenders. Um, those are just one of the many red flags that happen for those people that also commit these crimes. Wow. So as a woman, do you see, as a person served in the military, do you see, are you hopeful as to what the changes will become in the future? I try to be. If not, I go crazy. <laughs> um, but I always try to, I always try to be optimistic um, towards those things. There's been a lot of change happening um, some of the great things that happened when I was a sexual assault response coordinator was some of the training sessions I had with um, the brigades and the battalions. Um, I would always have a command sergeant major next to me, didn't care if he was white, black, Asian, Latino, or male or female. I always had that one person next to me to help harp on these type of things. And it's also making them listen to the new rules as well. <laughs> I get them involved. And I see a lot of involvement with those type of in- individuals, and it's great when you see that. Wow. So tell us once again, how do we connect with you on social media? What do we do to go to your website? Well, how do we get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, veteran legislative voice. I am on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, my website, V E T S legislative org. Wow. That's, that's, this is hopefully this will, this will get changed in this next upcoming year, 2022. So, guys, go out there, make your voice heard, call your congressman, call your senators up, make sure they know what's going on, make sure you know what you how you feel, because uh, this is something we got to mm-hmm. fix. This is not something that uh, we can just pretend like it's not a big deal or you know it's just only a few people. This is something that's pervasive in the military. It affects men and women across the country, even overseas and, and, and duty stations overseas, and it's not it's not functional. You can't function. You can't have a military function like this. Mm-mm. Thanks yeah. a lot. Because you're losing, you're losing your victims, so you got to always be careful with that. Stephanie, it's always great to have you on our show. Really appreciate your time Thanks. and effort. 
This is America's Heroes Group. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.